walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. How's everybody doing today? Hope everybody's feeling honorable today (laughs) hope everybody's ready to extend their hand out and let me caress it gently but firmly for the code of honor because we got some ring of honor to talk about today from november 2003 that's right big old month for ring of honor so we had uh the previous show main event spectacles so in reality there was actually uh three events in november so they're really ramping up the uh i guess the demand in ring of honor is really popping at this point really starting to get a buzz about it um a lot of international kind of recognition it's getting which we'll talk about later um i'll just mention it now the the, the next show in december is gonna have a lot of all japan uh influence on that hard uh but in november almost no japanese people so don't worry everybody um (laughs) uh i gotta remind everybody that i'm asian so i can make those um you know pearl harbor jokes um you know maybe it's maybe it's best i don't list a lot of racist uh asian things um what was i talking about right ring of honor november three events main event spectacle was early in November, and we talked about that. We had uh, the Scramble Cage match. We had an all-star four-way. We had Brian Danielson versus AJ Styles. Lots of stuff happening on that show. Uh, go check that out in the archives, if you have not already. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about two shows, one weekend, two girls, one cup. So we got the first double-shot weekend for Ring of Honor here uh on 11 28 and 11 29 so we got the conclusion occurring on the 28th from fairfield connecticut and we got war of the wire occurring on 11 29 from framingham massachusetts more as uh as far as most people will understand it pretty much boston so <laughs> <laughs> we got Boston and uh, Connecticut represented here at the tail end of November of 03. Lots of stuff happening on these shows. I will uh, 
I think let me just let me let me let me, let me give you a little appetizer. Let me give you the uh, the mozzarella sticks, the shrimp tempura, the what else do you get as an appetizer? Cunnilingus, all those things you get before the main dish this is what I'm going to give you right now. I'm going to run down the cards here. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, first of all, before I even delve into anything, check it out on YouTube. Why don't you check out the video version? I might have graphics. I might have other visual aids. Hell, just look at my face. Look into my eyes as I discuss Samoa Joe to you, okay? No, no, don't, don't look away. We got the conclusion. The first show of this weekend. Again, from Fairfield, Connecticut, we got the Backseat Boys taking on the Outcast Killers. We got John Walters versus Homicide. We got a number one contendership for the tag team title scramble match, supposedly. We'll get more into that later. Uh, we got the team of Fast Eddie and Hot Stuff Hernandez versus the Carnage Crew versus SAT versus Special K. We got Christopher Daniels versus Jimmy Rave. We got Steve Carino versus Josh Daniels. We got a Field of Honor Block A final match. Matt Stryker versus Xavier. We got a Field of Honor Block B final three-way match. A little tiebreaker action. We got Dan Moff versus BJ Whitmer versus Colt Cabana. Then there is the Ring of Honor tag team titles are on the line. The Briscoes taking on the team of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. Main event is a old school steel cage match. CM Punk versus Raven. We'll delve more into some of this, not all of this, but some of this as we continue on. But that is the first night of the weekend. The second night, kicking it off with the team of Fast Eddie and Hernandez versus the Backseat Boys. Following that, we got a scramble tag team match. The team of, I guess it's a 10-man tag. We got the team of Slugger, the Carnage Crew, and SAT versus Special K. Then we got a gauntlet match, which is CM Punk versus Jimmy Rave versus Matt Stryker. Versus BJ Whitmer versus Colt Cabana. Then we got a tag team match. The team of April Hunter and Slick Wagner Brown versus the Outcast Killers. Then we got John Walters versus Xavier. Then the tag team titles are on the line. The uh, whoever won that first night, no spoilers here, is taking on the Prophecy team of Christopher Daniels and Dan Moff. Then we got the Ring of Honor world title on the line. The champion Samoa Joe is taking on AJ Styles. And then the main event of night two, which in all reality is kind of what this whole weekend is building towards. We got a no ropes barbed wire match. (laughs) Steve Carino versus Homicide. What a wacky cast of characters on this weekend. That brings what if that was just the entire podcast was just me listing the card. That brings uh, the cards that covers the cards, basically. So that's that. That's what we're going to be getting into today. Um, if you you know are unfamiliar with these kind of uh, 
package deal episodes, these double show episodes. I won't be going into, you know, every single match in depth, but we'll be covering the major bullet points, the kind of common threads throughout the weekend, the running storylines, the implications of certain matches and the, just the key moments we'll be talking about today. So um, kind of a weird. <laughs> the fr- I'll say the second night more so is very strange. Um, the first night is also kind of strange, too, but we'll get into it. Overall thoughts of these shows. Um, they were pretty mid, to be honest. There were some very high points. Um, well, there was very, there was points of much <laughs> interest. I'll say they were not all good per se. It's very interesting, you know, going through 2003 ring of honor, only one show left this year. I would say overall this year, I mean, I had no idea what to expect with, with 2003. I mean, it was always a major, major, um, major blind spot for me um, in terms of the history of this company. So I I know I no idea what to expect, but there is um while there are there are some things that have far exceeded my expectations. There are certain characters, certain wrestlers that I've gotten invested in that I did not think I would get invested in. And I think that's a testament to the storytelling ability you know, even in the early days of this independent wrestling promotion, they're they're putting on some good stories. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Ring of Honor was kind of, you know, a step above other independent promotions at the time. It's because just the quality of the quality of talent there and also the quality of the booking and just the presentation of it, I thought was really fun. And especially in a time period, 2003, you just got WWE out there. So in 2003 WWE, which I'm also covering on this podcast in a different timeline. I mean, it's just SmackDown's pretty good, but God damn it. The, the, the flagship show <laughs> Monday Night Raw is the drizzling, drizzling shits. And the point point being Ring of Honor is kind of it, it felt like a haven for fans who wanted wanted something different. And I think there's a lot of good that came out of this year, but there is also some not so good, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But that my overall thoughts, I guess, of these these shows was like it didn't it didn't get my heart pumping. You know what I mean? It didn't get my cock hard. It didn't get my butthole puckered. You know, it, everything was kind of flaccid, not completely flaccid. Maybe a half chub, half chubbed butthole is is my um my in-depth analysis here. Uh, analysis. That's fun. Um, but yeah, let's get into it baby what should we talk about first well you know what let's start this one off with how i started uh my last double shot episode off let's talk about cm punk versus raven the uh (laughs) the seemingly never-ending feud between these two and i've been if you've been listening to these episodes every every show i'm like well that's got to be it right (laughs) this feud's over now right it's not but as per the name of night one, the conclusion, it's named that in lieu of the conclusion of the CM Punk Raven feud. Now, I talked about this in a previous episode, how this feud didn't really like live up to my expectations per se. And I don't necessarily know if it's on 
I don't really know if there's anyone you can blame for that. I think it's just the nature of Ring of Honor in this time period. I mean, there's, you know, a month in between shows a lot of times and Ravens also in TNA doing things. And so is Punk, by the way. And Punk's wrestling God knows where else. Probably Japan, I'm sure. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I could be completely wrong <laughs> about that. But um, because the storyline, it was re- it reached a really hot point. I want to say it was like in the middle of 03 sometime. I can't remember what show it was, but, um, you know, CM Punk and Raven, it's a natural story, right? You got Raven, who's the debaucherous, you know, rabble rouser, <laughs> drinking and smoking and um, suppositories and all that stuff, right? Doing all sorts of drugs and a lot of hullabaloo, a lot of extracurriculars from old Raven here. Whereas CM Punk, obviously, I don't know if you've heard, he's straight edge. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a natural clash there in cultures, how Punk thought Raven reminded him of his deadbeat father, how Raven thought CM Punk was being disrespectful and how Raven had been trying to better himself and CM Punk is not respecting that. There was a whole thing there, right? The heart of the feud, I thought, was solid. But I think it just got spread a little thin. I think because, you know, like like I said, the middle of 03, you had the dog collar match. You had all these great promos between the two. But like the beginning and the ends of it were kind of directionless. And we're at a point here in November of 03 where it's like it's been months since anything because, you know, CM Punk and Raven, they had that really bad cage match a few months ago. And then there was a few months went by where there was no interactions between the two. So it's like kind of just fizzled out. It seems like we're just tying up loose ends here just for the sake of it. Um, And we could talk about the match here in a second. But overall, I mean, the feud, I'll say this, the feud here, it was a fairly satisfying ending. Um, Not completely, but now let's just let's let's quit. Let's quit dilly dally in here and let's let's just talk about the cage match here. Well, first of all, so the conclusion night one opens up as uh, Gary Michael Capetta is in the ring. This is stupid. So the, the gimmick here, it's that it's a lethal lottery, right? So it's essentially like, you know, when Raw would do Raw roulette and they would have a wheel and they would spin it and it would be like a match type. Whatever match type it landed on is what the two guys would wrestle in. So that's basically what we got here. But instead of a big wheel, a big, instead of this grandiose like presentation, what does Ring of Honor got? I don't know. They got like five or six envelopes <laughs> that are referee. So GM Gary Michael Capetta and the referee in the ring. The referee has this like handful of like five different envelopes. Gary picks one. First of all, I've never seen anybody struggle with opening an envelope more so than Gary Michael Capetta. <laughs> he obliterates the envelope trying to get this piece of paper out of it. The piece of paper has the match type on it. He opens it. He reads it. CM Punk Raven main event are going to face each other in an old fashioned steel cage match. So not the clockwork orange house of fun bullshit that they did a few months ago where there was like weapons hanging from the cage and just a bunch of nonsense. We're just going to get a straight up salad steel cage. Two guys battling it out, surrounded in steel surrounded in hatred. I don't know. Um, 
But that's what we got here in the main event of night one. So let's just start there, why don't we? Main event of night one. CM Punk versus Raven, Steel Cage. So commentary is really very much making it very clear, which, by the way, if you're unaware, the commentary team is comprised of Chris Lovey, otherwise known as Gabe Sapolsky, the booker here of Ring of Honor, and uh, Ray Morrow. So Gabe on commentary, he sees he always does this, right? He says the winner of this match will win the feud. Okay, so I get it. We're, we're, we're putting over that this is the last match, right? We'll win the feud. What the fuck does that mean? I, it, it, this, this stuff just makes my eyes roll in the back of my head. Win the feud or like feud of the year is a common phrase he throws out there. It's like, according to who? <laughs> like, because you're, you're like, you're, you're a kayfabe commentator. You're trying to, in kayfabe, describe what's going on but when you say they will win the feud that kind of takes you out of kayfabe and puts it in like the booking kind of realm it's like oh these guys are gonna stop getting you know uh that their shoot not gonna work you know like and i get it that's kind of the audience they're playing to but i don't know maybe that's just me but that kind of stuff makes my <laughs> eyes roll in the back of my head so look at the, so the match itself let's get into the match itself it was a great match well it was a pretty good match. Um, what was the difference between this match and their previous cage match? Well, like I said, there's less, you know, there's no tables in this match. There was no whatever other weapons, whatever other, other bullshit was in their original match. It was and, and they described it as an old school steel cage match. And that's really what it was. They, they made a lot of use of the cage you know, ramming each other's faces into it, grading their faces across the cage. Of course, everybody's bleeding immediately, of course. I think there is like one or two chairs in the ring, but otherwise it's just them in the cage, which I think is like, it drives me crazy nowadays when you see like these cage matches, these Hell in a Cell matches, whatever the hell, right? And it's like the cage is just an afterthought. It's more about like the other tables and the barbed wire and the, a bed of nails and all that stupid bullshit. It just happens to be surrounded in a cage, but you're, you're not making use of what the gimmick is. The gimmick is the cage that's surrounding you. It's supposed to feel suffocating. It's supposed to be like, oh, if you try to escape, you're going to go head first into this cage, which is going to cut you up. It, the cage is the danger. And I feel like in 2023, the cage is just like the, it just, it's just the venue of whatever other shit is happening inside it. I think CM Punk and Raven here did a great job and portraying that the cage was a weapon and portraying that this cage match was just it felt like it felt like a conclusion like that's what the show is called it felt like a good culmination of this feud personally i think you could have very well ended it with a dog collar match a few months ago but again i think this was a pretty satisfying way to end it in a pretty solid match obviously you know highlights of this the chairs are in there, I think, <laughs> purely for Raven to do his, you know, classic drop, drop toe hold into the chair. Um, well, he tries to do it in the, in the beginning of the match, but Punk actually does a, uh, a, a Sabu-esque triple jump. He, like, runs up the setup chair, hops up to the top rope, leaps back at Raven, but Raven takes another chair and just fucking shit cans it at Punk's face. <laughs> 
So that was a fun little spot there. Um, again, both guys are busted open early, early, um, getting thrown into the cage walls. Uh, Raven's able to finally hit his drop toe hold into the chair. It's just, it just felt like a brawl. Like there were no particular, not a lot of like high spots. Um, it just felt like a brawl. Like these guys didn't like each other. And I thought it was good. Um, well, okay. There was a, one high spot. Uh, CM Punk goes to the top of the cage. Goes for a leg drop. But Raven misses. I mean, just the visual of all of this. Punk is just standing straight up on top of the cage. Goes for it all. He doesn't. He doesn't hesitate. He he's just leaps off the top of the cage, which is not something you really associate CM Punk doing. But the visual was crazy. Um, and this allows Raven to because uh, a lot of the match Punk is beating up on Raven. Uh, but Raven after this missed leg drop. He gets some fire. He does all of his vintage stuff, the the million dollar knee lift, the bulldogs. You know, he whips them into the corner, follows it up with a clothesline. But Punk is able to reverse Raven and hits Raven with the Raven effect DDT. And by the way, I should mention you can win this match by pinfall submission or escaping the cage, which I've talked a lot about that stipulation. Won't get too far into it, but I feel like if we're if we're blowing off this feud, I don't know, man. I I don't like the escape the cage <laughs> deal because it's like if you have the time to escape the cage, why not just pin the guy? I don't know. But Punk, after hitting the Raven effect, goes to the top of the cage, like in the corner where the door is. Punk starts climbing down. Raven. Pushes the door open. Punk crotches himself on top of the door. And as Raven is trying to work up the, 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 the mustard to try to escape via the door, Punk is able to shimmy off the door, shoves the door in Raven's face, and Punk is able to scurry out of there, drops to the floor, and CM Punk gets the win. So kind of a weird, like, again, if it's a culmination of this feud, I would have liked to see a pinfall or submission, but I don't know, man. I'm just, it was a fine match. Um, it's just, I don't know, the the build up to it, because like during the show, because this is the main event on, of this show, right? And we'll talk about this too. By the way, I should also mention, um, throughout the show, the ongoing storyline with CM Punk, because CM Punk is a member of the Second City Saints, which is him, Colt Cabana, Ace Steel, and it previously was Lucy, a.k.a. Daphne. But a few months ago, in Dayton, Lucy was attacked at the end of the show. But nobody knows who attacked her. Nobody knows who took her out. And CM Punk, by God, will not quit until he finds out who attacked Lucy. Comes at, see him in the beginning of the show, the deal with GMC and the ref picking up the envelopes, Punk interrupts that and he's like, he has that little eight by 10 of Lucy and he's like, look at this face. I want to know who attacked her. And he comes out after almost every single match, maybe every single match, actually. And some of the promos, even CM Punk is interrogating everybody. Did you do who? Where were you in Dayton? Do you know anything about this? So he's doing all of this shit. The Saints and the Prophecy are at, at odds as well. 
So we got all this stuff with Punk going on, and Raven just seems very much an afterthought, like like a third, fourth tier feud for him, which commentary is putting this over as if this is the feud of the year. So it's like, and Punk is not mentioning Raven at all throughout any of these promos he's cutting throughout the show. So it's like he doesn't even know this match is happening, is what it comes off like. So the build to this did going into the main event, the environment just to me didn't have a lot of heat to it for like a culmination of this feud because it, like I said, it just seemed very secondary and Raven hadn't, hasn't had any presence on this show, no promos from Raven or anything. So it just felt (sighs) like, even though this is a blow off to the feud, it just seems very separated from the initial heart of the feud, which is what I talked about earlier with, you know, punk and his dad and how his dad was an alcoholic and how Raven reminds him of his dad and the whole blood feud in, in the earlier in the year with the dog collar matches and the, the bleeding and all that stuff. It, this match just seemed almost random in a sense. Um, but the match itself mechanically was very good. I thought, even though the finish kind of could have been better, but that's that that's enough punk for us. Raven. I'm gonna get more, comments. but uh, another thread throughout this weekend is two things that are kind of intertwined with each other. Let's just, you know, we're, we're looking we're looking at like a whiteboard. You know what I mean? We're trying to like tie all these webs together in the middle of this whiteboard. We got Samoa Joe, the ring of honor world champion has been champion since March. So what? That's eight months now. It's been dominant. Kind of. Actually, he's he's lost a couple times, weirdly, in a tag team match. He he lost to Homicide, which, again, we're uh, just pretending that, that that didn't happen, I guess. Um, and he may or may not also lose this weekend. <laughs> uh, but Samoa Joe, Ring of Honor world champion. Has previously been embroiled in a feud with both of the Briscoe brothers who happened to be the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. If you'll remember at Main Event Spectacle, they linked up with Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette turned on Samoa Joe, hit him with the tennis racket. The Briscoes ganged up on him. They beat him down in the beginning of the show. And the show may or may not have ended with Joe. Uh, it was behind closed doors, so we don't really know what he did to Jim Cornette. But I know the sound of sodomy, and uh, it was not too far off. So do with that information what you will. But so we got Joe and the Briscoes at odds, right? Plus, you know, yeah, Joe and Jay had that they had a great world title match a few months ago as well. And then on the other side of Samoa Joe, you got the number one contender for the world title. You got AJ Styles. So Joe is kind of in the middle of, you know, two different feuds, but they come, they intertwine here in night one in a Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match. We got the Briscoes, Jay and Mark versus the team of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. So we got the number one contender and the world champion on the same team looking to become double champion here is Samoa Joe. So some of my favorite matches in Ring of Honor up to this point, like in their history up to this point, have been the Briscoes versus AJ Styles and Amazing Red. 
And you got this, you got that here, just switch out Amazing Red with Samoa Joe. So it's like, still great, right? And it was a very good match, naturally, right? I mean, these these four guys, Jay Briscoe, Mark Briscoe, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. If I had to create like a top five in terms of, you know, the quality that has been presented in the first two years of Ring of Honor, I would I would put all four of these guys in that top five. Homicide might take that fifth spot. So you just got a, a great representation of the company here. It's a semi-main event of night one. And we got, you know, the following night, you're going to have AJ and Joe fighting for the world title. So you got that kind of, it's a can you coexist thing, you know. But it's 2003 and it wasn't done to death <laughs> like it is today. So, um, but this was, again, very good match. It was very interesting because you know you know what's going to happen. You know there's going to be a miscommunication between AJ and Joe. It's going to build to their match the following night. You know that's what's going to happen, right? But they kind of throw you off the scent, I guess, in the beginning. Because AJ and Joe, like, dominate in the beginning of the match. Like, they're they're just in sync. They're doing all the double teams, like... They're doing their, their finishers together or they're like attempting them. They're just doing all these various snappy double team moves. There's one point where AJ, he runs up Mark Briscoe's back to DDTJ. All while Joe has Mark and a choke like and they're doing like the double topes in sync to the outside. Joe's getting AJ to do his Olay kicks against the barricade. Like there's a weird level of camaraderie between the two which is like like you're fighting each other the next night although i guess it's not particularly personal so in ring of honor it's all about competition so i guess it makes sense but it was just it caught me off guard how like they're just like high five and like let's go buddy like i could but again like maybe that's good that it's not what you typically see i don't know but it just caught me off guard joe gets a hot tag at some point just shits on everybody. Both Joe and AJ do the Pele kick in sync, which is pretty sick. Joe, it's a power bomb into an STF on a Mark Briscoe. Briscoes make a comeback. All their double team maneuvers, a double backdrop to Joe, uh, double power bombs. Jay, Jay Briscoe levels Samoa Joe with a lariat. Um, at one point, all four of these guys are down. AJ Styles goes for the Styles clash on Mark, but Jay kicks AJ in the in the face to break it up. And as AJ goes to close, do hit a discus clothesline to Jay, Jay ducks, and AJ, by golly, oh Bob's your uncle, accidentally hits his own partner Samoa Joe. The Briscoes, and then this clothesline knocks Samoa Joe out. The Briscoes double drop kick AJ to the outside and Mark Briscoe hits a shooting star press onto Samoa Joe for the one, two, three. So Mark Briscoe pins the Ring of Honor world champion here. Um, even though obviously the shenanigans with AJ, you know, the miscommunication and whatnot. The Briscoes retain their titles here and Mark Briscoe. Um, again, beats the world champion, which again, I'm, I'm Samoa Joe has always been built up as his dominant force, you know, ring of honor. He just was never beaten. 
I mean, he gets beat every other month, it seems like. So um, all four of these guys shake hands. Of course, AJ and Joe. I mean, they get a little hot and sexy with each other. They shove, they yell, they kiss, all that stuff. But that's all building to their match on night two, which we'll get to in a second. But first, while we're talking about the tag team titles, let's just tie this bow up and talk about night two. The Briscoes once again defending their tag team titles against the Prophecy, the team of Christopher Daniels and Dan Moff. So, and by the way, I should mention Jim Cornette is not on any of these shows. I guess they just Cornette just shows up when they're in his town. Maybe I don't know. Um, But the Briscoes still got that that swagger about them. They got the new like country music. Like they're they're making steps towards what the Briscoes would end up being. Uh, they're still in singlets though. So that's still a bit off, but in these tag team titles, they're, uh, they're a bit cursed at this point because, you know, the inaugural champions, it was the prophecy actually, but it was the team of Christopher Daniels and Donovan Morgan. I don't know where the fuck Donovan Morgan is. I think he's in wrestling in Kazakhstan or something because he hasn't been seen in, uh, quite a few fortnights. And, you know, Daniels and Morgan, I think they lost the titles. Xavier, like, was a stand-in for Morgan. And then they lost the titles to Amazing Red and AJ Styles. And they would eventually have to relinquish the titles because Red had to get knee surgery. I mean, it's still at least a year before he's back, I think. Then the Backseat Boys won the titles in a gauntlet match, but then they lost it in their first defense against... Special K and then Special K lost it in either their first defense or their second defense against uh, the Briscoes. I think I got all the reins in there. So there hasn't really been like a definitive like tag title reign yet in Ring of Honor. But, you know, hindsight, the Briscoes. I mean, I'm never going to do a Ring of Honor review ever again that does not have the Briscoes involved. You know what I mean? So they're, they're, they're just the, the ultimate they're there. They are ring of honor more than any other entity that's ever come in and out of ring of honor. The Briscoes are ring of honor. They were there forever. So then we got their first tag title reign here. I'm not sure, you know, particularly, I don't know how long this first reign lasts, but you know, the Briscoes are there to stay. And, you know, they beat Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and they beat the prophecy here. So we got the Briscoes essentially, you know, working to break the curse here, solidifying themselves as the top tag team in this company. They feel like champions. They I mean, they're brothers. The cohesion's obviously there. So it's like it's just it all feels right, you know. Um, But the match itself feels very good. This differed from the match that the Briscoes had with AJ and Joe because that first match, it was very, you know, I don't want to say spotty, but it was very flashy. You know, a lot of power moves, a lot of double team wackadoo shit, a lot of uh, strong style, a lot of just linking moves one after the other. Whereas this match, Prophecy versus the Briscoes, Felt more like a traditional tag team match. You have the Prophecy, who, by the way, if you're not aware, their thing is that they don't abide by the cone of honor. They don't they don't subscribe to the uh, the mindset of Ring of Honor, which is all about competition and shaking hands and 
you know, not interfering, not distracting refs, all that stuff. And the prophecy is <laughs> they do all of that in this tag team match. There's a lot of, you know, one guy will distract the ref or, or like the, they'll, they'll like draw out the Briscoe that's on the apron so that the prophecy guys can double team on the other Briscoe. They're doing the, you know, the, they make the tag sound and get in the ring, even though they don't tag. So a lot of the classic heel tag team stuff, the prophecy is putting out there, but it ramps up towards the end. You got Daniels doing his Arabian moonsault to the outside. Mark follows it up with a shooting star press to the outside onto everybody in the ring. Dan Moff, it's a back suplex on <laughs> Jay Briscoe, which I it looked like it actually knocked Jay out. Like he wasn't moving for a while. I think he was definitely knocked loopy at least. But um, you got Angel's Wings, Dooms the springboard doomsday device by the Briscoes. Everyone's pulling out the big guns torn during the ending stretch of this match, but ultimately. Jay wins hitting Moff with the Jay Driller pile driver for the win. So the Briscoes retain. You know, Mark got the pin the first night. Jay gets the pin the second night. Again, just a great match. It was pretty grounded, good false finishes, just a classic tag team wrestling match done very well. So no qualms from your boy here. So happy for the Briscoes. Happy to see them here as a, uh, Strong tag team, finally. It felt like they were kind of lollygagging for a while, but we're here, we're queer, and uh, yeah, we're just queer. Um, but to tie up, so you got Samoa Joe in the middle, right? Just kind of walking us back. Joe in the middle. Briscoes on the left side, let's say. So the Briscoes, we've covered that. Now on the right side of Samoa Joe, you got AJ Styles. They had the hullabaloo and the tag team title match on night one. Miscommunications, all that, right? The shoving, the kissing, you remember. Uh, night two, they get to blow this off. They get to blow each other, blow it off in a Ring of Honor world title match. Samoa Joe, the champion, defending against AJ Styles. And I should say on night two, uh, it opens up with a promo from Samoa Joe backstage saying that, you know, people on the internet are saying that I've lost it. They're saying that I'm not a monster anymore, which is kind of what I've been... <laughs> Talking about right out, Joe's been kind of losing pretty frequently. Um, but Joe's out to uh, to prove people wrong, I guess. And by golly, does he? Because Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, I mean, you get these two guys in a match. It's never going to be not great. It's the, the, the floor is great. So like. And it's interesting, though, because like. You're a fan of the apron bump or, or if you just listen to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I cover the TNA timeline and I've encompassed all of the, the series of matches that Joe and AJ had, at least in like in the beginning portion of, uh, you know, the X division stuff between these two and Joe and AJ had some awesome matches in TNA dude. And keep in mind, that's two, that's like, you know, two, two and a half years after this. So those TNA matches, they had a lot more experience with each other, uh, a lot more chemistry with each other. They, they do have a lot of chemistry right off the bat here in Ring of Honor. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not suggesting that they didn't have chemistry, but watching this match after their TNA matches, you know, because for first of all, there are a lot of spots that, that they do in their TNA matches, like Joe kicks, a, like AJ is sitting on the first rope inside the ring. 
like leaning up against the second rope and Joe just kicks him. It kicks through his chest, sending AJ to the outside. They did this exact spot in TNA, and I think the TNA one just looked a lot better. Maybe it's just because it had Don West screaming <laughs> in the background. But um, you get a lot of that. It's, it's a sense of like, this is very good, but it also gets a lot better. I had similar thoughts about like AJ and Daniels when they had matches previously, like in 2002. It's like, OK, this is good, but it gets a lot better. You know what I mean? And that's, that's just in the back of my mind, which unfortunately maybe hampers it a little bit for me. But that being said, I mean, this was an awesome match as well. Really fun, like, in the beginning of this match, it's almost like they go out there. It's like what Angle, like Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit would do. They're like, all right, let's spend the first five minutes of this match. Just shoot wrestling. <laughs> like, like let's have an amateur wrestling match just for funsies. And that's kind of what AJ and Joe, Joe do here. Very intense chain wrestling here. Like, it's not like, okay, let me hold your wrist so you can do a flip, and then I can do a flip, and then we can do skibbity bop, and then you can do bibbity boop. No, it's like, I'm going to run into you and hold you down and suffocate you and make your nipples purple. Like, that's what they're doing here. So uh, there's just like, like there's a sense of competition. There's a, a sense of trying to win the match, which, set, which sounds very like, duh, like every match should have that. Every match should have that. But not every match does. So really good stuff here. Really good intensity from both guys, I think, is the main um, my main takeaway here, you got Joe doing his, you know, suicide dive to the outside. He goes for the Olay kick, which I brought it up earlier, but it's basically a face wash on the outside into the barricade. But AJ, I mean, they were doing this last night, right? They were working together to do this. So AJ has that scouted. AJ tries to cut off this kick, but Joe ducks. And super kicks AJ on the outside. Back in the ring. AJ fights back. Hits a sick looking powerbomb on Samoa Joe. That's a strong boy, this AJ Styles. You don't want none. You don't want none from him. Uh, huge powerbomb from AJ. Joe says, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me raise you one. Just obliterates AJ Styles with a, with a powerbomb of his own. You know, stacks him up. Does the classic Joe thing where AJ kicks out, but then Joe transitions into the STF and then the crossface. Um, AJ is able to get to the ropes and he fights back with a Pele kick, you know, the springboard backflip into the reverse DDT. So you're getting all the greatest hits from these guys. Uh, AJ Styles hits another powerbomb with Samoa Joe out of the corner. Lifts him up, dead lifts him up into a Styles Clash position, hits it, but only for a two count. Um, crowd was really into that. You got uh, AJ goes again for that springboard reverse DDT. But Joe catches him, hits him with the island driver for a two count. So we got some really good false finishes here towards the end. Um, AJ, because if you remember in night one, the miscommunication was AJ going for a discus lariat onto Jay, but accidentally hitting Joe. So in this match, AJ again goes for that discus clothesline, but with full intention of hitting Joe. Hits him for only for a two count, though, but Joe is able to get the upper hand. Hits the muscle buster on AJ Styles. Locks in the choke. 
and AJ passes out. So Samoa Joe retains the Ring of Honor world title. It was just a very fun, grueling match, which is kind of what Samoa Joe's deal is. So I really loved it. I love this one. But again, much um, even better things. I'm not going to say much better things, but even better things to come in later years between these two. But always a treat watching these two guys wrestle. Yep. So that's that's the tag team titles. It's the world title. We've talked about Punk and Raven. The main event of this podcast is going to be the main event of night two, which is the barbed wire match between Homicide and Steve Carino. But on the way there, we got some actually pretty good stuff. We got some stuff that if I saw this on paper like a year ago, I'd be like, I don't give a shit about it at all. But the way it's been building, the way it's it's progressed, the way these characters are starting to flesh out. It's actually some pretty good stuff. And we're going to talk about it. It's all kind of ties together. So you get you get you kind of got this like this pure division. Right. And again, I know. So I know the pure title comes into the fold at some point. I'm not sure exactly when. And I'm not sure who's exactly going to be fighting for this pure title. But as I perceive it, you got kind of this pure division. You got guys like Xavier, John Walters, BJ Whitmer, Matt Stryker, Jimmy Rave, Josh Daniels. You got kind of those guys, right? Plus a few others. But these are the guys that are represented on this weekend of shows. And these guys are first represented on night one. So the kind of the running theme of night one was present versus future. So you got the present and guys like Christopher Daniels, Homicide, Steve Carino versus the future guys like Jimmy Rave, guys like John Walters, Josh Daniels. So you got a series of singles matches on night one um, that were all pretty good. I will I'll start off with the best of these matches. Homicide versus John Walters. So again, like I mentioned this, I've mentioned this in previous episodes. John Walters is a guy that I did not think I would end up enjoying as much as I have. He's look, he's he's pretty bare bones, relatively, right? He's I mean, when you when you look at him and you watch him wrestle, I mean, at least for me, the immediate comparison is Chris Benoit. Maybe aesthetically, he's kind of a leaner version version of Benoit. You know, a little bit lankier, perhaps. Um, maybe less. You know, Benoit had the the brutal power chops and the really intense kind of strikes, whereas Walters is a bit more technical, like more British style, perhaps. I don't know. They're very similar, though. But John Walters, you know, he's like he's not you know lighting the world on fire with his promos, but. If you're looking at the Ring of Honor landscape as of right now, Walters is, you know, one of the most competent guys in terms of kind of just coming out there and getting his point across in promos and even in the ring, just having he had a he has a decent amount of charisma about him. So um, especially when he's, you know, kind of portrayed as this just pure technical wrestler. Like I think he and the crowd's getting behind him, and you can see that resonating with the crowd. Like he, he's he getting the crowd behind him. And he's taken on homicide, which I've said it before, <laughs> probably the MB MVP of 2003. You know, if I had to throw one out there. So naturally, these two guys coming together in a match against each other, it's going to be really good. And it was probably one of the better, I mean, potentially like top three matches of the weekend. Um, I should also mention commentary mentions that Tony Mamaluke 
has left Ring of Honor. And you're, if you're wondering why I'm bringing that up, it's because there was a very short-lived tag team called the Purists between that, that was comprised of Tony Mamaluke and John Walters. But I guess now Johnny Walters is no longer a part of that tag team. But it makes sense considering that, you know, he's going forward with the singles push. Um, just a really fast-paced technical wrestling match between these two guys with a little mix of brawling. Of course, you got homicide. There's going to be a good amount of brawling. There's one point and I, I'm, I'll probably post this on Twitter or whatever. Homicide gives John Walters a back rake. And we've seen this before. I've even heard Jim Ross talk on his podcast. He'll be like, I won't even call a back rake. It's stupid. Like, what's it supposed to do? You got to hurt somebody with a back rake. But J- Homicide rakes the back of John Walters. Makes his back bleed. <laughs> He's getting color on his back from a back rake. So brutal stuff here. But while you just got that like grittiness, you also got some pretty good, um, pretty innovative stuff from a wrestling standpoint. You got Walters. Does I can only describe it. So like a gory special, right? You got the guy on your back. His back is against your back and you're stretching his arms towards the center to stretching him out. Right. You know what a gory special is, but he's got homicide. Like, and it's almost like a reverse tarantula. Like it's in the ropes. It's very hard to describe, to describe with words, but just a lot of innovative stuff from uh, John Walters here and really, uh, really intense submissions. Again, it's like, he's not just locking in submissions for the sake of holding them there for a bit, waiting for the next spot. He's like trying to rip his limbs off which is something that I like to see. <laughs> um, homicide hits Walters with a neck breaker, a pile driver. Walters scoots to the outside, and then Homicide hits his beautiful tope con hilo through the middle ropes. Back in the ring, Walters hits Homicide with a backpack stunner for a two count. Hits Homicide with a dragon suplex with a bridge, but Homicide had been working on the neck of Walters throughout the entire match. Throughout the entire match. Yeah, I mentioned the neck breaker, the pile driver, all that. So Walters couldn't hold the bridge on the suplex, so he kind of just fell out of the pin. So I thought that was really great storytelling there. Um, and Homicide's able to kind of capitalize on this. Hits a reverse jawbreaker of sorts. And then a brutal lariat to the back of the neck and then locks in the STF and Walters has to tap out again. Been working on the neck. The neck is fatigued. It's beat down and a neck submission is locked in for the win. Just perfect storytelling. Like I said, um, really intense stuff. The crowd was into it. And. Um, homicide gets the win here. And that one, this is night one. And remember, in night two, we're going to have Homicide versus Steve Carino and a barbed wire match. So we're kind of building to that with this match. Homicide gets the win. And speaking of which, let's talk about it. Steve Carino, also in night one, taking out, taking on Josh Daniels. Um, if you're not familiar with Josh Daniels, it's kind of like, I don't know, combine Chris Benoit and Roderick Strong, maybe. <laughs> like, make those guys have a baby. Um, not now. But... I think I even tweeted this. It's like a, like a week ago. Everybody in Ring of Honor in 2003 was trying to be Chris Benoit, like the long tights, the, the style, the short hair. 
I don't know. Maybe that's just how people dressed back then. But it was just it, it was very striking to me every, how that style was kind of like him and Eddie Guerrero. Like everybody was trying to be those two guys in Ring of Honor. But if there's someone to be from a wrestling standpoint, um, it'd be those two. Not from a uh, not from a father's standpoint, though. But we got Steve Carino versus Josh Daniels. Not quite as good as the Homicide and Walters match, but it was it was fine. You got Carino doing his long intro shit again, which he has his personal ring announcer. There's always you know, Bobby Cruz, who would go on to be the permanent ring announcer for Ring of Honor. But as of this point, it's just Carino's stooge, I guess. And so Josh Daniels is a relatively short fella. I wouldn't say he's very short, but um, he's shorter than Steve Carino. So Bobby Cruz is like Steve Carino has faced off against a lot of other small guys <laughs> and he's just listing off like a bunch of, you know, minis and, you know, Ramos, not Ray Mysterio, but like guys like that, like short wrestlers. And then he mentions Taz at some point, which gets a big pop out of the crowd. Um, but this just goes on forever and match finally gets underway. Uh, Karina is kind of a showcase for Carino in a lot of ways. He's hitting all his big moves. Uh, the Northern Lights bomb, the Colby Kazi, which is like an attitude adjustment type move. Um, all of these for two counts, by the way. So Josh Daniels is also being very resilient here. So we're furthering the build of this guy. Carino hits another Northern Lights bomb. Josh Daniels kicks out at one. So Josh Daniels is firing up. He's he's making a comeback. He's laying out Steve Carino. But uh, at one point, Guillotine Legrand, who was out there with Steve Carino, he trips up Josh Daniels, distracts him. Josh Daniels turns around to face Carino and walks into a super kick. But the ref will not count because he saw the interference. He's like, no, 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 you're not going to win that way. So the guillotine is like getting on the apron, arguing with the ref. Why aren't you counting? Your dick's small. Your investments are bad. Like all the stuff you yell at a guy, right? Carino sets up Josh Daniels on the top rope, going for a superplex or something. And as the ref is tied up with guillotine, Homicide makes a run in, <laughs> hits an ace crusher onto Steve Carino off the top rope. Because Carino and Daniels were both, you know, on the top rope fighting for a superplex or whatever. Homicide gets in Ace Crusher RKO to Steve Carino off the top rope. Josh Daniels, who was already on the top rope, flies off with a headbutt, you know, furthering the Chris Benoit stuff. Headbutt to Steve Carino off the top rope. And Josh Daniels gets the win over Steve Carino. Again, Homicide, Carino, we're building the tension between those two while also giving a win to Josh Daniels, furthering, kind of giving him some credibility. So I, I see what they're doing here. Not bad. Um, pretty decent stuff here. <laughs> Fucking. So Carino's pissed, of course, because, you know, interference. It went against the Code of Honor, which I was very, I was flabbergasted by, I'll be honest. But the camera... Follows Steve Carino as he walks backstage and he finds Homicide. Him and Homicide start brawling. Security comes in to separate the two. Carino's yelling at Homicide. I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, there's a lot of that, right? 
there's a lot of believability in that they hate each other, which is really like a great feud between these two guys, um, maintaining the hatred, furthering the build towards their barbed wire match the next night. Um, Carino eventually, because everybody's separating him, he eventually just walks away. He like walks out the door into the parking lot. He's like taking his tape off or whatever. And he's, he's yelling into the camera. This is why your company doesn't draw us because you don't put me over. It's like, all right, you fucking dildo. More wrestling lingo. Fucking cheese dick. But <laughs> Karina's like, you saw the format. I was up. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Why are we? When these guys blend kayfabe in real life in this kind of way, it's always cringe. But it's a, it's always cringe. It always, again, makes me roll my eyes. But because he's, he's playing to the Internet crowd who and the Internet fans, they want to be in the know. They want to use all the lingo and Carino's like trying to placate that. I don't know. It's it's dumb. But again, I mean, the, the, the whole angle itself, I thought was fine. Steve Carino's pissed. He thinks Ring of Honor has a conspiracy against him of some sort. I don't know. But um, that's where we're at there. And that'll be more, we'll have more on that night, too, of course. But um, so that was the, the second of three present versus future matches. The third one which I'll just touch on pretty quickly. Christopher Daniels versus Jimmy Rave is a fine match. Um, you have cause like a few months ago, Christopher Daniels and John Walters had a really good match where Daniels kind of took Walters lightly. So Walters was able to kind of get the advantage of him in the beginning, but Daniels was able to kind of hit the switch and be like, all right, I'm done playing around and then get the win. Pretty identical here, really with Jimmy Rave. Yeah. Rave is getting the better of Daniels here in the beginning, but Daniels again is like, all right, I'm done fucking around. Best moonsault ever. Last rights gets the win. So Daniels beats Jimmy Rave. I don't think Jimmy Rave has won a match in Ring of Honor here yet. But um, we're also with Jimmy Rave because, you know, his mentor is AJ Styles. And after every time Jimmy Rave loses, there's a segment backstage where AJ is like, well, goddamn, Jimmy. Well, why didn't you? You didn't you didn't attack the arm. You got, you got to attack the arm. He, his arm's hurt. Yeah, yeah. Put him in an arm lock or something. I don't know. So AJ's yeah, again. He's yelling at at um Jimmy Rave. He's like, oh, you need a spark, Jimmy. What are you doing out there? You need a spark. And then Jimmy Rave like shoves him into a locker. And then AJ's like, yes. He rubs his chin. Um. So I don't know if we're building to a match between those two, but at least there's something going on, something building there, which is intriguing in a sense. But Daniels gets the win. And by the way, I should say, I brought up CM Punk earlier, how he was like interrupting every match or like at the end of every match, storming the ring and asking the people in the ring if they know or if they knew what happened to Lucy. And he does this to Daniels and Daniels is like, he says a lot of shit. He's like, I don't, I don't even care. He's like, Punk, you can't handle the truth. So it's like, does he know something? Does he not? I don't know. It's a bit ambiguous, but. Because Daniels is kind of suggesting that maybe Steve Carino attacked Lucy, which is what I'm, which is my assumption. Because at this point, Steve Carino and CM Punk are friends, kind of. So Punk, I don't think he ever questioned Steve Carino if he knew. So it's leading me to believe that we're going to get a Carino and Punk deal later. But that's just my assumption. But so that's what's going on there. So Daniels in the prophecy. And we talked about the tag team title match. So that's that's where we're at with that. But you know what else we got on the show? We got the Field of Honor finals matches within each block. So not the 
not the finals finals, just the finals within each block, block A, block B. If you're unfamiliar, the Field of Honor is um, a round-robin tournament, two blocks of four. The winners of each block will face each other and become the, ring, the Field of Honor champion. What's the stakes? Well, you, you get over, I guess. I don't know. They've been very vague about what the stakes are, but I assume a title shot of some sort for the winner. I don't know. But so on block A, to see who goes to the finals, we got Matt Stryker versus Xavier. Another really good match here. Again, two guys who I had no knowledge of, you know, prior to reviewing these Ring of Honor shows. Two guys that have just organically gotten over with the crowd, with myself watching. I love watching Matt. Matt Stryker's so good, man. He's and he's starting to, to develop a little bit of charisma about him. You can kind of tell that he's been, you know, people have been telling him you need to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, expressive, a little bit more animated, maybe. He's got talking shit to Xavier throughout the match or whatever. And Xavier, I mean, he's Xavier is Xavier. He has a great look. Xavier. He kind of just tries shit. <laughs> he just not all of his moves hit, but he does a lot of unique stuff too. So, um, a lot of submissions and chain wrestling here in the beginning. Progresses into some more strikes, some chop battles. Uh, Matt Striker hits Xavier with one of the most sickening forearms I've ever seen, or like an elbow, because it's like he threw the forearm. But Xavier, it's like Xavier didn't see it coming. So he like just almost took his head whiplashed back. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't break his fucking nose or get knocked out. But brutal stuff here. Really fun, like strong strikes between the two. You got Matt Stryker. Who, like when Xavier went to the top rope. Stryker runs up the ropes, suplexes Xavier off the top rope. and. I mean, this match is interesting because Xavier, his story's kind of been like, you know, because his his run really started with the prophecy and the prophecy is all about cheating and distractions and interference and all that stuff. And Xavier has been winning a lot of his matches with like low blows and eye rakes and holding the tights and stuff like that. He's like, he's, he's that type of guy. But this match, it's a field of honor. And I guess they're trying to portray the fact that field of honor is the most pure wrestling it gets. So Xavier, I mean, this match between these two guys just felt very pure wrestling. A lot of counter wrestling, a lot of roll ups and submissions. And I guess that's what they want this tournament to represent. So, um, but at some point, Matt Stryker locks in the striker lock, which is like a Indian death lock move. Xavier gets to the ropes to escape, but he's not able to escape the death valley driver from Matt Stryker for the one, two, three. So Matt Stryker gets the win. And is the block A winner for the Field of Honor. Uh, pretty good match, like I said. Um, it was very moves, you know. But it was pretty fast paced, pretty, pretty back and forth. So I liked it. I was entertained by it. Um, I mean, maybe the most entertaining thing about this was uh, after the match. So you know how guys will taunt. Like if, if you're like trying to intimidate somebody, right? You'll look at them and you'll, you'll do the throat slit. You know, with your thumb, like bleh, you know, like the Undertaker or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> Matt Striker. One thing about Matt Striker that you guys need to understand: he has a unibrow. Okay, 
That's his character. He has a unibrow. So what does Matt Stryker do as a taunt? After the match, he looks at Xavier. <laughs> across the unibrow. So instead of a throat slit, it's a unibrow slit, I guess. Um, so that's what we got going on. <laughs> that's what Matt Stryker's got going on. Uh, but again, pretty good stuff here. So that's block A. The, the Field of Honor block B finals is a triple threat match. So we got a tiebreaker situation here. So it's Dan Moth versus BJ Whitmer versus Colt Cabana. I mean, one of the big takeaways, honestly, from this weekend is how over Colt Cabana is starting to get. Like, he's starting to gain a following. You can feel it. He's so entertaining. Plus, he has the very entertaining wrestling ability as well. So he would become a, a star in Ring of Honor, and he's slowly becoming that. Um, even though he, at this point, he's kind of just CM Punk's sidekick. But Colt, I mean, he comes out to the Copa Cabana. He's dancing to the ring. Especially when he's across the ring from BJ Whitmer, who is coming into this weekend is about as bland as you can get. He, he does make strides to get past that in the show, which we'll get to. But you got BJ Bland Whitmer and Dan Moff, who everybody hates. So, <laughs> so Cole Cabana naturally is who everybody's behind in this match. But you got a three-way lockup to start, which is fun. I mean, everybody, everybody's kind of just playing to their strengths. Like Cole Cabana is like dancing to get out of the way. And at one point, he has an Asai moonsault to the outside onto both guys. Or onto BJ Whitmer and then Dan Moff. Is just, you know, doing his thing. He, he thrives on the outside of the ring. So he's just shit canning these guys into the barricades at one point. Like this match, it wasn't very, you know, a lot of triple threat matches. You get like, it's like two guys are fighting in the ring and then one guy's laid out on the outside of the ring. This match was very much like all three guys wrestling each other, which I can appreciate because I feel like just that's just it's hard to make that look cohesive. And I think these guys did pretty well doing that. But like at one point, Colts, Colt. Has a moth on the ground. Colt, you know, puts his neck in between his ankles and twists it while also like suplexing BJ. And, and then you got moth later. He, he Germans BJ while BJ is also T-boning Colt Cabana. So you got a lot of like intermingling like that. So pretty entertaining stuff here. Um, towards the end, BJ hits the exploder suplex onto Colt Cabana. And gets the win. So BJ Whitmer wins block B, which I was pretty. I thought Colt. I thought Colt had this one, but BJ Whitmer wins. So that sets up the Field of Honor finals, which is going to be Matt Stryker versus BJ Whitmer, which makes sense, right? Because I think this, that's that's there. There are two guys that I think this tournament was kind of built around. The pure wrestling style. Two guys that are really good wrestlers, but need an extra, you know, a little, little something, a little, a little, a little, some kind of um, like they're not ready to be world champion yet, but they need a little something to elevate them above the pack. So like two guys that are good technically, but don't have much else going on. So this will definitely elevate and give credentials to whoever wins this tournament. So and by the way, I should say after this match, so BJ wins. And CM Punk's back, again, asking everybody what the hell happened to Lucy and Dayton. And everybody's like, I don't know, man. Who cares? Fuck you. But BJ is pissed. He's like, you're not going to steal my fucking thunder, boy. And then he, see, 
the storms out of the ring. He does the up yours thing. And then punk CM Punk is PJ's pissed. And he storms away who, by the way, CM Punk was, was crying because he was so he, he just wants to know what happened to Lucy. Like he's literally like, I just need to know where's like, it's, it's very bizarre. But PJ storms off. He's pissed. And Punk's like, man, sounds like somebody's juices are flowing. And then the crowd didn't react. And Punk is like, that's a steroid joke. And then the music plays and it's over. But um, <laughs> so that's made me laugh. But um, yeah, so that's the field of honor, gang. That's the field of honor. And before we get to the main event, just kind of piggybacking off of that stuff. So that was all night one. In night two, we have a gauntlet match. Which is CM Punk, Jimmy Rave, Matt Stryker, BJ Whitmer, Colt Cabana. To be honest, this was very, it was way longer than it should have been. I didn't think it accomplished much outside of the last portion of it. So I'll just run through this kind of quickly. It starts out with Punk versus Rave. It's on, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty boring. I mean, Punk locks in a sleeper at some point on Jimmy Rave and the crowd is chanting, please fall asleep. Please fall asleep because it, it was just so long. And then Jimmy, they do the hand thing where he raises his hand, drops it. And if it drops three times, he's out, right? So it's one, two, lifts his hand up a third time, drops it, rave. Oh, I'm hulking up, brother. And the crowd's like, boo, because they just wanted it to be over. Um, but it kind of kicks in, you know, towards the end of that. So rave hits a shining wizard on punk for a two count. But CM Punk is able to hit the Pepsi plunge for the win. Uh, but it's a gauntlet match, so we're not over yet, folks. So now Punk wins. Striker's out next. So we got Punk versus Striker. Punk had had his leg worked on during the previous portion of this against Rave. And Matt Striker is able to take advantage of this. And he makes CM Punk tap out with the Striker lock. So Matt Striker gets a tap out victory over CM Punk. Again, I mean, it's, you know, gauntlet circumstances, but still pretty significant. So Striker wins and then Colt Cabana comes out, dances to the ring. At some point, Colt Cabana, he has Striker in like a camel clutch type move and he starts plucking the unibrow, which is pretty dastardly. Uh, hits a flying asshole for a two count. I mean, this is the best part of the gauntlet for sure. Colt versus Striker. Um, Matt Striker hits his run up suplex. A victory roll, a lion salt. He's just busting out all of the high impact moves. Colt fights back with like an emerald fusion neckbreaker type of thing. But Matt Stryker is able to hit that Death Valley driver onto Colt Cabana for the win. So uh, Matt Stryker beats both of the Second City Saints, which is very significant, I feel like. So which sets up the final portion of this gauntlet match, which is also going to be the finals for the uh, Field of Honor, which, by the way, takes place at Final Battle the next month. But we get a little taste of it here in the final portion of this gauntlet, BJ Whitmer versus Matt Stryker. Keep in mind, Matt Stryker had already had two matches, so it's not exactly even footing. Um, but they wrestle, they scuffle for a bit. Um, at some point, both guys are up top on the top rope in the corner. Stryker gets thrown to the outside, like onto the floor. 
and he passes away on the floor. <laughs> like the referees come out to check on him. He's not moving. He's he that he, he must have hit his head on the concrete, whatever the hell, you know? So Matt Stryker's down. They, there's no way he can continue this match. Referees are trying to help him. We need to get a, we need to get a, a stretcher out here, a back brace or whatever the hell. But BJ Whitmer sees this. He doesn't give a hoot. He just throws the referees to the side. Shit cans Matt Stryker into the ring. Hits a brutal looking wrist clutch exploder suplex and gets the win. So takes advantage of this injury of Matt Stryker. And BJ gets the win in this gauntlet match. Pretty much picking the bones of the previous injuries. So BJ coming off like a dickhole here a bit. Um, so we're establishing him as just the big bad dude where um, Matt Stryker is just trying to be uh, all, all straight-laced Matt Stryker here. So we're building some tension between these two guys, which I like. So building to their finals match at Final Battle. These guys, by the way, have a face-off like at the end of the show. Matt Stryker's like, hey man, why'd you do that? Why'd you, why'd you take advantage of me? And BJ's like, because I wanted to win. And that's pretty much it. So, uh, <laughs> but they're doing something which I can appreciate. So, but that being said, I think now is about time we talk about the main event of night two. We got a no ropes barbed wire match between Steve Carino and Homicide. So, this feud has lasted, I mean, in real time. Like at the time, I mean, over a year at this point, this feud has been going on. This all harkens back to, you know, mid 2002, I believe it was, where Carino and Homicide were teaming together, facing off against the Backseat Boys. And it was just a miscommunication, like like we saw with AJ and Joe earlier, like the same thing, like uh, Homicide goes for an elbow and Carino accidentally hits him or maybe it was the other way around. Doesn't matter point is they didn't like each other at that point and then one thing leads to another and homicide stabbing steve carino in the eye with a fork steve carino returns the favor homicide slaps steve carino in the ear and causes him to go deaf in one side of his face they have a street fight a few months ago which is one of the bloodiest matches i've ever seen in my life people are they're choking each other with barbed wire they're stabbing each other with forks they're sodomizing each other they're doing all this stuff blood feud to the absolute t of the word all culminating i would assume but maybe not seeing how it ends but we'll get into that we got a barbed wire match so if you're not aware i mean it's what it it's what it it's pretty straightforward no ropes barbed wire match so they replace the traditional ring ropes in the ring with barbed wire and then in the ring, you also have a there's a table set up in the corner that has barbed wire wrapped around it. I think there, there's a chair in there, too. I couldn't really tell if it had barbed wire on it or not, but. Brutal, brutal setup, crazy visual, obviously, you just have all this, this wall of barbed wire. And the build to this, I thought was awesome, by the way, like during this weekend, uh, we talked about night one, how homicide cost Steve Carino his match. Um, they brawled backstage and all of that. And night two. So throughout this show, it keeps cutting back backstage to both guys, to Steve Carino and Homicide as they're preparing for the match. 
Steve Carino has his family there for whatever reason. He has Colby Carino backstage, a little like six year old uh, Colby Carino. I don't know why you would bring your son to this, but whatever. Um, he's his his tone is very much like. I wish it didn't come to this, man. I I got to do what I got to do. It's like very quiet. It's very like. It's like we're walking into death row type of thing. Homicide, you know, he, he breaks out the old school natural born sinners jumpsuit, you know, like the orange jumpsuit type deal. Which to me is smart. I mean, you want to cover as much as your body as you can. Steve Carino's just out there in his regular tights, which I think is a bit of a bonehead move. But, you know, do what you will. Uh, the referee's in the ring with his his hands are taped, which is just a funny thing. Like, it makes sense, but it's just funny to. Like, that's how brutal this match is going to be. The referee has to have his hands taped. Um, No, you know, Steve Carino has been known for these long, obnoxious introductions. But here he's like, nope, we just want to get in, get out, make this as quick as possible. So no long intro for Carino here. So to kind of set the scene, you got a wall of barbed wire around these guys. Barbed wire table, barbed wire bat. Referee has his hands taped. Homicide comes out with a broken beer bottle. And they don't even shake hands. Like, what in tarnation? Like, is, does the code of honor mean nothing anymore? I mean, come on, guys. Um, but look, okay, barbed wire matches. Like, he kind of... The tone of this match is very interesting to me. Um, because the, the entire night... So night two is in Boston. Or Boston, Boston adjacent, whatever the hell. Um, it, was a, it was probably the most quiet show I've watched from Ring of Honor up to this point. But it's like interesting because they're not like they weren't there was no like boring chance. You know, they weren't like booing out of boredom. It was just quiet. It was like a Japanese crowd in a lot of ways. Um but to be fair there was a lot of boring stuff on this second night to be honest. But um this was not boring. <laughs> but the crowd has been kind of um conditioned or maybe not. I mean, the crowd had just been quiet all night and it was still quiet during this main event, which created a weird level of tension. Like these guys are throwing each other into the barbed wire, you know, raking their faces into it. There's a barbed wire bat that comes into play. Homicide stomps on it onto Steve Carino's head. Steve Carino monkey flips homicide into the rope. So he's like hanging upside down. He's stuck in the barbed wire. They'd like fight to the outside somehow and Carino suplexes homicide into the barbed wire. They're, you know, homicide T-bones Steve Carino through the barbed wire table. They're choking each other with the barbed wire. It is super brutal, super bloody. But while all of this is happening, the crowd is fucking silent. Like they pop for the moments, right? When the things happen, but then it just kind of comes back down and almost gave this tone of like, like I I feel like going into this match, like at least I was expecting just like a feeling of like war, like just a battle between two guys. But in reality, this almost had more of a tone of like, Oh no, man. Like, like two parents fighting, you know what I mean? Like if you're at a dinner table and your mom and dad are fighting, it's just very awkward and tense and like, Oh God, I don't know what to do. That's like what this was. <laughs> it was like, just silently stabbing each other and mutilating each other. It was just 
bizarre to watch. But that being said, I mean, this match was as advertised. All the spots I just talked about. Just a feeling of hatred, right? And the, the, the tone kind of changes like midway through the match a little bit where Homicide, like, because, you know, traditionally Homicide, he'll throw a guy into the corner, hit him with a running forearm, knock him to his ass, hit the ropes, come back with a face wash kick, right? And Homicide, look, the, there's no ropes, just barbed wire, but Homicide says, fuck it, I'm just going to go into this barbed wire just so I can kick this motherfucker in the face. Like, there's a feeling of hatred and just like, I'm just going to rip your cock off, like thing. So it like revved up towards the second half of this, which is awesome. Um, Crino fights back. It's the Colby Kazi hits uh, a homicide, hits an ace crusher. So they're throwing out their big guns here towards the end. Uh, homicide at one point, he like takes a portion of the barricade <clears throat> from the outside and throws it into the ring. And it looked like it actually hit Carino in the head. Like Carino has had terrible luck in this feud. He lost his hearing and now he's got all kinds of CTE probably, but, um, but he's able to fight back somehow. Well, guillotine Legrand is out there with Carino and all of Carino's young boys are out there. They get involved. Uh, the young boys, this is funny. It's like, he's such a cornball of Steve Carino. He really thinks he's like a pure rest, like a, so he really feels like he's like a Japanese legend. He's so fucking cringe, dude. But he has his young boys out there. They all throw chairs so that Carino can use it. They basically fashion a makeshift table by setting up four chairs and then placing the steel barricade on top of the chairs. Homicide hits or uh, Carino hits homicide with a northern lights bomb through this barricade table, just like crashing through the steel mesh. It was a pretty cool visual. Homicide's able to fight back, though. Locks in the STF, which is how he won their previous match, where Guillotine Legrand had to throw in the towel. But Guillotine is in there. He interrupts this. He doesn't want to see this happen again. He throws rubbing alcohol in the eyes of Homicide to break this up. And then Julius Smokes, who's out there with Homicide, him and Guillotine fight on the outside. In the ring, Carino hits Homicide with two back-to-back pile drivers. He puts on these ridiculous, cartoony, heavy gloves, like garden gloves or whatever. And he grabs like a strand of barbed wire, hog ties Homicide with it, and wraps it around his throat into a cobra clutch type move. Pulls him back into like a cobra clutch, rear naked choke type of move, type of submission of some sort. Has the barbed wire around his throat. And Julius Smokes has no choice because Homicide ain't going to tap. And Steve Carino is going to kill this man. So Julius Smokes has no choice but to throw in the towel. And Steve Carino gets the win so brutal brutal match cool finish um and plays off their previous match so the previous match i mentioned homicide won when guillotine had to throw in the towel now you have steve carino winning with with julius smokes throwing in the towel going into this match look it's a no ropes barbed wire match you gotta think this is the the culmination the blow off of this feud but now they're one and one. 
and neither guy lost on their own volition, right? So you gotta think there's gotta be another match, right? I don't know. That's that's how I was feeling after this, but I don't know how you can get more brutal than this. So, um, and I should mention after the match, it kind of cuts to like a few minutes later after they've taken down the barbed wire or whatnot. Carino homicide as they come to Carino sticks his hand out to homicide homicide does not shake it. So he just walks away again, furthering the, you know, there's still tension between these two guys. So I, are they going to fight again? Probably. That's what it feels like to me. I don't know, man. But I think it cuts to Carino backstage. He's like, I was prepared to kill you, homicide. I would have gone to jail for my whole life, but it would have been worth it. Because I want to see you die. There's a guy who just reached his hand out to shake his hand. I don't know. But brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. Um, and that's how we end it. That's how we end this weekend, folks. Ring of Honor, November 2003. Again, some pretty good stuff, some not so good stuff. I mean, there's some, you know, bullshit in between, some scramble type stuff that nothing else that really like, t- like was worth talking about. You know, the typical scramble, like Backseat Boys and Carnage Crew. I mean, it was like good stuff, but it's just like kind of the typical thing. Um, They're trying to really <laughs> put Slugger over in these scramble matches, but I don't think he's really that guy yet otherwise i think we pretty much covered everything we needed to cover that about does her that's about all daddy has for you guys today man i don't know why i'm not talking like this i don't know why my voice going like this but (laughs) uh appreciate you guys tuning in listening watching tasting all that stuff give daddy a follow at apron bump on all the social medias um apronbump.com hey if you like this type of stuff you like ring of honor maybe you're just jumping in cold you like hey hardest part of the ring i would love to start this journey from the beginning and see where it takes us well i suggest you go to apronbump.com and you go to the episodes tab at the top and you can select ring of honor and that'll bring you to all of the ring of honor shows that i've covered chronologically starting from their very first show and all the way through almost two years of ring of honor at this point. So it's been a wacky ride. It's always a fun watch, always fun talking about it. So appreciate you guys. Take it easy. I love you all. Big smooches all around. I'm hard.